At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting you ready for college and pro football. This is the Football Betting Guy with Jonathan Von Tobel. Second hour of the Football Betting Guide coming up 45 minutes from now. Eric Eager, Pro Football Focus. Nice enough to give us some time here on this Sunday to get his thoughts on uh, coaching, uh, Coach of the Year in the National Football League. Pretty interesting race. If you look at like the odds, it's kind of all jumbled up in terms of probability. There are some, obviously, favorites and some guys who are at the top of the list, but still pretty interesting from the standpoint of maybe digging a little bit deeper on that list to find some candidates. Well, a little deeper. So let's turn our attention back to college football. For those of you who don't know, College Football Betting Guide is coming out this week here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Every single one of these teams previewed. You get win total recommendations on every single one of them. Yes, every single one. Best bets when it comes to futures, whether it be win totals, whether it be Heisman's, whether it be conference win totals, whatever it is, all in there, all 131 teams, and all written by us here at the Vegas Stats and Information Network, plus some special selections from other contributors, of course, uh, Matt Humans, Adam Burke, I believe Tim Murray as well, uh, in terms of picking playoff teams, national champions, things of that nature. So again, college football betting guide coming out this week, a lot of hard work and a lot of smart people in there, so very much worth your time to read that as we get closer to the football season. Speaking of which, I'm one of the people that were in there, uh, and I got to write about the Mountain West. Now, not, of course, a group of five conference, but still a conference at which you can bet on and potentially make some money in a really interesting conference because the Mountain West does have some recognizable brands. Boise State, of course, is a recognizable brand, although at one point um, a lot more recognizable than before. I remember back, I think it was like 2011, um, 2012, when I worked at Starbucks, running down to the, I used to work at Red Rock out here in Las Vegas, running down during my lunch break to uh, to get a uh, a glimpse and like watch like 20 minutes of Boise State and Georgia on my lunch break because Kellen Moore was playing the Bulldogs in prime time. Not necessarily the same thing for Boise State. Um, and they're at the top of this conference, and this is kind of where I wanted to begin. And I kind of mentioned this when we opened the show and we talked about Oklahoma and Texas. Oklahoma and Texas are the recognizable brands in the Big 12. They are the teams, the logos, that a vast majority of people who don't really college, follow college football would be able to point out of a lineup and say, hey, I know that brand or I know that logo. The same can be said of Boise State in this conference. Fresno State has a really storied and solid football tradition. A lot of these programs do. But the recognizable brand is Boise State, which is why you find Boise State at the top of the list in terms of the odds to win the Mountain West. Depending on where you shop around, DraftKings has the faith that to win the conference in the range of about plus 250. Uh, but I'm here to tell you right now that that shouldn't be the case. And you can see it right now, plus 220 over at DraftKings, Fresno State followed them up at plus 240, Fresno, excuse me, Air Force at 4-1, to one, 
San Diego State at 550, and then Utah State at 9-1. to Then you get to the gap of the rest of the conference, which we'll address. But I will say this. For me, for my money, when you, when you evaluate these teams in the Mountain West, uh, Fresno State is the best team on paper coming into this season. And Fresno State, I think, has the highest probability of these teams to win the Mountain West Conference title. After two down years, 2019-2020, of course, they're coming back after a 10-win season last year. Jeff Tedford, their head coach, that 17-19 to stretch, 2017-2019, to which they went to two Mountain West title games and won one of them, is back after taking a couple of years off due to health concerns. Kellen DeBoer, uh, Kalen DeBoer excuse me, who was their head coach for those two seasons, moves off to Washington. So he now comes over and takes over the conference, or the, the, um, takes back the program, Jeff Tedford. Not really going to be a drop-off a head coach. You have the best quarterback in the conference, and actually in, maybe in the West Coast, in Jake Hayner. He is great, battle-tested team too, but Hayner himself, 4,000 yards, 33 touchdowns, 33.4 points per game for the Bulldogs, who averaged 6.3 yards per play. There's a lot to like about Fresno State and what they have coming back. And now on the defensive side, too. It's not just their offense. They get seven guys back on defense. They gave up just 20 points per game, 3.5 yards per carry last year, 5.3 yards per play. There's a lot to like. And their schedule sets up fantastic for them. Now, remember, at the start of the year, yes, so you play host Cal Poly, you play host Oregon State, host Oregon State. A lot of people would circle at USC as a loss for this team, and while USC is massively upgraded on offense, keep in mind that this Fresno's team went to Oregon as a 20-point underdog, uh, covered very, very, like we'll call it easily, actually had a lead late and could have won that game, but covered as a 20-point underdog, and then two weeks later went back on the road to the Rose Bowl, one outright against UCLA. That's with Henry quarterback, so this team's been tested. Wouldn't really circle and jock it up as a loss or a bet against spot for Fresno State on the road against USC because they're uh, very, very much a team that has gone through situations like this. And if you could throw up the schedule one more time, because this one to highlight in terms of betting the, the Bulldogs over their win total and looking at them as a conference winner, the back end of their schedule is really nice. New Mexico, on the road against New Mexico, win total of 2.5 for the Lobos. You play host to San Diego State. You take on Hawaii, UNLV, Nevada, Wyoming. Five out of their last six opponents had a win total no higher than five set in the conference. When you look at Hawaii, Nevada, two teams and two programs that are rebuilding due to various things that happened with their programs last year, this is a schedule that sets up wonderfully for, uh, for Fresno State to take care of business in a really large way. Road game against USC, road game against Boise State, and a home game against San Diego State are the places you want to circle here on this, on this schedule. Home game against San Jose State might be a little tricky because it's coming off of that road game against Boise. Regardless, this is a team that's got 9 to 10, 11 wins written on them potentially if everything breaks right for them and Mountain West title as well. So that's the second choice on the board. To me, the favorite, you can find them at 3 to 1 at some spots, even at Circa, which is where I bet them. The other team to circle here is Air Force. Air Force is going to be really freaking good. Air Force has a schedule that sets up wonderfully. They have a ton of returning production back, eight starters back from last year's offense. That offense last year, 31 points, 424 yards per game, highest mark, the, the, excuse me, in terms of scoring, per game average since the 2016 season when Air Force averaged 452 yards at over 30 points per game. They bring back Ezekiel Daniels, their quarterback. They bring back their uh, leading rusher, Brad Roberts. Those two combined, 2,174 yards on the ground, 24 touchdowns. They only lose one offensive lineman. And remember, this is an offensive line that was a finalist for the Joe Moore Award, which rates the you know gives it out to the best offensive lines in the country. Air Force is stacked. And you talk about their schedule, too. Their schedule sets up wonderfully as well in terms of not really avoiding, not having to take on a vast majority of some of the big boys. And the ones that they do, they get them in favorable situations. The two road games are going to be tough, Utah State and San Diego State. But you get to play host to Boise State. You get Wyoming, Nevada, 
Colorado State, New Mexico, UNLV, all on your schedule from conference. You start out with Northern Iowa and Colorado. This is a schedule that sets up nicely for Air Force. And Fresno State and Air Force are two teams I think you want to circle here. And I was talking to Adam Burke, who's going to be on the run line coming up in the next hour. You can kind of look at this and go, Air Force, Fresno State, to win the conference, a very good shot that both of those two teams make it, and you're sitting on both of them, plus price for each of them to win the conference, facing off for the conference title. Love both of them. And don't think that Boise State's the best team there. Boise State's got a lot coming back. But the questions for them, their offense was not good last year. Hank Bachmeyer does not look to be the guy at quarterback, and now it's been three seasons we've seen this. Not dynamic, turnover machine, holds onto the ball too long, creates a lot of sacks for the opposition, not very good. Going to be a dominant defensive team, but not very good on offense. And San Diego State, kind of the same thing. Their defense is going to be incredible. They have multiple all-conference players. They have two first-team all-conference players along their defensive line, an all-conference player in their linebacking core, and an all-conference player in their secondary. However, Braxton Burmeister comes in to, from, from Virginia Tech to potentially lead the way at quarterback. This offense has been dreadful each of the last few seasons. It is not an offense that plays football in 2022. Really have a lot of questions about that, and their schedule extremely tough when you look at the opponents drawn and some of the road trips. But I wanted to focus on couple of win totals in this conference that are worth looking at. The first of which is an interesting team, San Jose State. Because San Jose State, if you look at the history under their, pre, their current head coach, that would be Brent Brennan, it's, not, it, it's really weird. So Brent Brennan comes in, it's his sixth season. So the previous five seasons, four of those years have been losing records. The other was a Mountain West title, but that was in the COVID-shortened year. So you can kind of chalk that up with a small asterisk. They go 7-1 to and win the Mountain West title. But when you look at this team overall, six starters back for San Jose State. They bring in Shaven Cordero, who is a Hawaii transfer who started there for three years. Solid quarterback there. Nick Nash, who attempted 138 passes for them as well in 2021, returns. So your quarterback depth chart is set up really, really well. Leading receiver leaves, and Derek Deese was really good. But the remaining eight players who caught a pass last season return. Tyler Nevins is gone, but three other top rushers are back. That includes Nash at quarterback. Their offensive line adds some impact transfers. If they're better in terms of their, their turnover differential, they're going to be better this year. And on defense, the best defensive lineman in the conference, San Jose State, they've got him at defensive end. That would be Cade Hall. He is returning along with the first-team All-Mountain West linebacker, Kyle Harmon. Their front seven from last year brings six guys back, a lot of depth, and that's a front seven that give them 3.5 yards per carry on the ground and 5.1 per play. It should be one of the best run defenses in the league. They're going to improve, you would think, on their 26.5 points per game and it looks like it's going to be pretty solid for San Jose State here. Now, we're talking about to win the conference at 25-1. to 1. I don't really necessarily think so. But over a win total of 6.5, very much worth looking at. And playing on them consistently against conference opponents, Utah State defending Mountain West champ. But there's a lot of questions on the defensive end of the ball for that team. And their offense should be good, but there's a lot of production gone, especially at wide receiver for Utah State. I'm just saying, when you look at the conference odds, and it gives you an idea of what the power rating might be for these teams, especially once they start playing with one another. 9-1 to one for Utah State to win the conference, and then all the way to 25-1 to one for San Jose State. The gap is not that wide on paper between those two teams and that group of teams once you get to that area. And a couple of other teams to look at for unders as well. Nevada, Hawaii. I mentioned that they're in kind of in similar situations. Head coach for Nevada, Jay Norvell, from last year, departs the program, pilfers the roster, takes a bunch of guys over to Colorado State in the conference, it's a complete rebuild for Nevada. Their quarterback of the future is gone. The two receivers who are going to be their leading production guys coming back are gone. Uh, multiple defensive players who are going to be uh, impact players on their defense are gone. This is a complete rebuild, as it is for Hawaii. 
uh, as well. So when you look at those two, combined with some difficult schedules, under the win totals for Nevada-Hawaii are definitely worth looking at. But to kind of circle back to what we're talking about here, if you want some value on a board like this, I bet Fresno State at 3-1 to one to win this conference, and I very much think that Air Force is a very, very viable option in the range of 4-1 to one or 5-1 to one to win this conference as well, and that Boise State comes into the year as a very overvalued team, especially when it comes to the grand scheme of things in the Mountain West Conference. So we'll see if this how this plays out. But I got to tell you, like the top of the top of Mount West, very entertaining. And there's a little bit of parity there. But at the end of the day, when you got a quarterback like Jake Hanner, head coach who's been there before, a defense that's got personnel the way that the Bulldogs do, very much worth looking at to win the Mount West Conference at three to one. All right, we'll come back. We get into some of more of our division previews. Let's talk a little bit about the NFC South and the NFC East. I mentioned a little bit about the Giants. Kind of like that team, but what do we do with the division darlings, Philadelphia Eagles? the football betting guy with Jonathan Von Tobel. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back. This segment of the Football Betting Guide presented to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches, the simpler way to experience nicotine satisfaction and enjoy lasting change on your terms. Zen Nicotine Pouches are a fresher, simpler way to enjoy nicotine that have helped millions of people achieve lasting change by offering smoke-free and spit-free satisfaction. I don't know about you, but there have been times in life where I just needed to make a change. I knew I needed to make a change, but I just wasn't ready yet. I'm sure a lot of smokers and dippers out there can relate. Zinn understands that there isn't one right time to make a change. Everyone's timeline is a little different. Everyone's on their own journey, man. So whenever you feel like you're ready to take that first step toward change, Zinn will be there for you with the right strength, the right flavor, at the right time. If you're thinking about making a change and want to learn more today, check out Zinn Pouches at Zinn.com. That's Z-Y-N.com. But warning, product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Back here on the Football Betting Guide. Again, coming up in about 30 minutes from now, Eric Eager, Pro Football Focus, will join us. We'll get an eye on the coach of the year market in the National Football League. So wanted to knock out two divisions today in the National Football League as we are getting closer and closer to the NFL regular season and preseason beginning, by the way. So let's start with the NFC East, a really, really intriguing division, mainly because, as we know, these are, no matter what the records are at the end of the year, these are four teams that always seem to be on a similar plane with one another once divisional play begins. And you could say that about a lot of the teams and a lot of the divisions. just seems oddly specific for the NFC East. No matter what, on any given night, they will be able to beat the other. So with that, we start at the top, and we can take a look at the overall picture in the NFC East. Your favorite to win the NFC East, the Dallas Cowboys. Not a surprise there. Win, so, uh, win total of 10. 
Odds to win the division, plus 135. Conference odds, plus 850, 18-1 to win the entire thing. Eagles check in as the second-best uh, power-rated team and second-most likely team, according to DraftKings, to win the NFC East, plus 165 to win the division. Fight behind them. The Commanders at 5-1 to one and the Giants at 8-1. to one. See the respective win totals. 9.5 for the Eagles, 8 for the Commanders, 7 for the Giants. For those who are watching in the first hour, you know how I feel about the Giants. We'll wrap that into the grand discussion coming up in a little bit here. But you always start at the top with the Dallas Cowboys, and you ask the question, the rightful favorite. And I would say yes, uh, maybe power rated slightly higher. I think, again, there's a lot. There's not that much separating these four teams in the whole entire thing. Now, over the grand course of 17 games, you get things to play out. There is going to be separation. But when you look at a team like the Cowboys, for example, there are questions, I think, about this roster that do show some concern. For example, defensively, defense wins championships, right? How good or how bad is this run defense going to be? If you look at some of the returning players in production when it comes to this front seven, there's not a lot there in terms of run defense. Marcus Lawrence was a highly graded run defender. Uh, Dorrance Armstrong was as well. But like, if you look at once you get past Bill Cox, and that's just from a grade standpoint, he didn't play that much for them at all, then you start to see that from a run defense standpoint, in this front seven, there's not a lot here for the Dallas Cowboys. So when you look, when you talk about defensive weaknesses for the Dallas Cowboys, being able to stop run games consistently is going to be a problem. And that kind of matters when a team like the Philadelphia Eagles made their way and made their hay last year as a run offense. Now you look at everything here, $2.50 favorite to make the playoffs. Again, when we're talking about to make the playoffs at minus 250, you might look at that and say, of course the Dallas Cowboys are going to make the postseason. But when I tell you that their run defense might be in the bottom half of the league, and that's a very positive way to put it, you look at what happened with their offense in the offseason, and while Dak Prescott's a fine quarterback and one of the better ones in the NFL that I think any team would kill for, look at their depth at wide receiver. After C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup, it completely drops off. They get James Washington, which you would think is going to help them, and the rest of their depth, it's largely untested, and you have no idea where the rest of this production is going to come from, uh, and that includes, right, they spend a third-round pick on Jalen Tolbert. Like, what you're talking about in terms of pass catching outside of your tight end at Dalton Schultz, you have a lot of questions. Offensive line is going to be a strength. The wide receiver depth after having to lose Amari Cooper is a really big question. How good they're going to be up in terms of their front seven is going to be a question. And where you get your pass rush outside of Micah Parsons is going to be a question. So when you look at Dallas, especially when it comes to the grand scheme of competing for a Super Bowl, really have my reservations when you stack up the resume and the rosters with some of the best teams in the NFC. But then when you're talking about laying minus 250 for them to make the playoffs, it just seems kind of high for me when you're talking about that price tag for Dallas, especially when it comes to winning the division two. And when you look at a lot of their schedule as well, look at the way the, see the year starts off for the Dallas Cowboys. And I include all the way up into the bye week, you open against the Buccaneers. Yes, you get them at home, but Bucks, Bengals, back-to-back weeks before you go on the road to take on a divisional opponent in the Giants, which we talked about in the first hour, I think is going to be greatly improved. The Commanders are a team that many think are going to be improved before you go in that first column when you get to week eight or week six, excuse me. Back-to-back road games, Rams, Eagles, before you come back home for what's going to be a better Lions team. And before you scoff at the Lions, because I mentioned them a couple of times as not being just a write-em-off type of game, remember, that was the second-best cover team in the league last year. That was a really competitive team despite the really poor record. So that's not something that you want to write off, and they're better this year. So when you look at the start of the year, like again, when we're talking about choosing and wanting to bet on this, the Dallas Cowboys do not make the list for a divisional bet. And to me, it's going to be under or pass on a win total because of the way this division breaks down, the way their schedule breaks down, and some of the weaknesses that they have. For Philadelphia, I have my questions, and I think everybody does. So much of what Philadelphia is going to be this year 
hinges on one dude, as we know, and that would be Jalen Hurts and what his development is like as a quarterback coming into this season. Because if you go back to that playoff game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers knew exactly what they were doing. The Buccaneers said, you're not going to hurt us as a passer, so let's force you to do it. We're not going to allow you to run the ball. We're going to force you to win this with your arm. And they got blown out. The final score was not indicative of that. How does he improve as a passer as the year goes along? Because he was fine. His overall offensive grade, 77.1 from a PFF standpoint. They graded him below 70, though, as a passer. And you look at just from week eight onward for Jalen Hurts, a grand total of twice he threw for over 200 yards. That's not great in today's day and age in the National Football League. That's not to say that the upward mobility is not there for Jalen Hurts. But again, when you're laying $1.90 to make the playoffs and your biggest question coming into the year is, I wonder how good our most important position is, that's kind of a big price delay. I get it. The roster's great. Their defensive and offensive lines are really freaking good. They have some really good position players as well in terms of their skill positions. You like a lot of what they bring to the table. But when so much hinges on one player and you have so many unknowns, and this is a public team as we come into the year. When I say a public, I mean they got a lot of support at the windows. Their numbers were sucked dry when we're talking about like look at that. Eleven to one to win the Super Bowl, or excuse me, to win the NFC, twenty-five to one to win the Super Bowl. I like their roster a lot, but I don't power rate Philadelphia that high, especially if Jalen Hurts does not take that next step forward as a quarterback. So you get a little bit further down, the Washington Commanders are I think intriguing in the fact that and this comes from somebody who is a Colts fan and watched a lot of Colts football last year, watched a lot of football in general, but Carson Wentz is not very good at times. But Carson Wentz was also a guy who threw for, what, 27-7, and seven, had some really high highs and also some very low lows, the lows, of course, being the last time we saw him, which was a loss in Jacksonville uh, to the Jaguars that kept the Colts from making the postseason. I'll never forget that because I had the Colts at 40-1 to win the AFC, and I loved that ticket. Uh, but regardless, the Commanders are a team that I think – have some really solid upward mobility defensively, and if they just get a baseline of play from Carson Wentz, that they could be very much a threat in this division. And they're going to be a team that, again, when you talk about circling wins left and right, are not going to be a team that you really want to reckon with if you're inside this NFC East. So at, at the top, I have two overvalued teams that I don't really like a lot, at least in terms of a future standpoint, the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. I think the numbers are you know too short, squeeze all the value out of them, whatever it is. Don't really love them from a betting perspective, which leads you right back down to the team we opened up with, and I think it was about 315 today from a win totals perspective, but I think there's more there for the New York Giants. It's not just betting them over their win total of seven at a small plus price, depending on where you shop. This team, you can find them in the range of plus 265 to make the playoffs. I think there's a lot to like here for New York in a, in a division in which all of these teams are kind of bunched up with one another, where, again, you're talking about any night, no matter how power-rated, how highly power-rated the Eagles are, how highly power-rated the Cowboys are, if they're playing on Sunday night against the New York Giants, it is going to be a competitive game, a game in which the Giants will be viable contenders to win. The Giants look improved in terms of their roster. The Giants have improved their coaching staff. Not so much for the Giants to win this division. I think that might be a little bit strong. But for me, at least, the way that I rate these teams, what I, can, what I make of these teams, if you're looking through all of them, and trying to find any, anything to bet from a futures perspective, whether it's a win total, which I think over on the win total for the Giants is there. I also think that betting this Giants team to make the playoffs is a really intriguing proposition given the improvements that they could potentially have. The roster looks really good. And if Kayvon Thibodeau hits, their defensive line is going to be a strength for them, especially in this division, and that's going to help out a lot. But I think when I look at all of these teams, you know, the Cowboys, again, a little overvalued by my sense, 
and I think some weaknesses that the market is not really taking into account when you talk about their depth at some key positions and how poor that defense might be. And lest we forget as well, a coach that doesn't really add wins on the margins when it comes to Mike McCarthy, right? So overall, when I look at this division, while if you're twisting my arm and asking me who's going to win it without any wager whatsoever, I'd probably pick the Cowboys, most probably uh, the most probable team to do so. But if you're telling me bet something coming out of this division, I'm going to be pro-Giants coming into this year because I think there is some value to be had there, and I think I really like what the Giants bring to the table in this division and in this season. So with that, we're going to pick a division winner. It will be the Dallas Cowboys, but if you're asking for value on any of those, I would look for some positive New York Giants in terms of the 2022 season. That goes to a week-to-week basis as well in terms of betting them, especially in certain situations in the market from a number standpoint. doesn't really match with what I think is the power rating for New York. So let's continue with the looks at some of these divisions. When we come back, the NFC South. Really interesting because it seems that it is just Tampa Bay's to lose, and I would agree with that sentiment for the most part. Uh, but there is a team in this division that I think a lot of people might want to look out for when it comes to betting them on a week-to-week basis and some other stuff. We'll talk about that when we come back. This is the Football Betting Guy with Jonathan Von Tobel. Before we get back to the football stuff, a reminder for you. Ice cold beers, cold hard cash. Join the action on the pitch with the Heineken 2022 Soccer Prediction Challenge. Compete in 20 free-to-play pools this season for your shot at a share of $100,000 in total cash prizes at DraftKings.com slash Heineken. Now to start your run at victory, Heineken beer made better. 21 and over only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Please drink responsibly. It is the football betting guide here on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. Kind of the slow time uh, when it comes to news in the NFL. Not a lot going on. Um, when you get, as Adam Hill of the Las Vegas Review, uh, Reju- uh, Reju- Review Journal, that's a tough one, huh? If you can, uh, if, as he mentioned, Devontae Adams and clearing up quotes about Derek Carr and being a Hall of Famer, that's making headlines. You know it's kind of a slow time. Should also point out, too, we were talking about Offensive Rookie of the Year. We did get a bit of news that is impactful. Houston Texans rookie wide receiver John Mechie III uh, was diagnosed with leukemia, announced Sunday uh, that he was diagnosed with the former leukemia, likely will not play this season. Uh, as he does know, diagnosed with APL, the most curable form of leukemia, said he's going to focus on receiving medical care. He's in good spirits, which is always good to hear. Texans placed Mechie on the active slash non-football illness list on Sunday. So it's a little bit of news that breaks out earlier today. Worth noting for those of you who are handicapping the Rookie of the Year race and uh, the Texans, an interesting team as we'll get to the AFC South maybe next Sunday. But when it comes to what the Texans are trying to do and uh, they're going to war with what seems to be Davis Mills into next year, a team that is maybe worth keeping an eye on from a, a couple of standpoints. But uh, I digress. Let's talk a little bit about the NFC South. And we start at the top as we should because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Tom Brady decided to come back after running off Bruce Arians as head coach. Um, he ran him off no matter what he says. They are a team that is loaded up and ready to go for another shot at a Super Bowl title. And when you look around the roster, it's kind of understandable as to why, especially when you look at their offense. They were dealt to blow in the offseason. Ali Marpet decides to retire. For those who don't know who he was or kept track much in terms of offensive lines, really good young offensive line. I think he was like 27, 28 years old when he decided to retire. Um, and a blow to an offensive line still that as a whole is a really big strength for Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Wide receivers, of course, for Tampa Bay, as we know, a massive strength for this team, and it's deep, too, when you look at their roster. They've done a great job of maintaining their depth overall, but as we know, Chris Godwin, Russell Gage, Mike Evans, again, we can go down the list here. 
Uh, they've done a really good job of keeping that depth up and some highly graded guys too over small sample sizes as well. For example, a Cyril Grayson for them over the course of 127 snaps by PFF standards, a receiving grade of 72.5, so you like it. There's a reason why. They are the odds-on favorite by a mile at minus 300 to win this division, win total of 11.5, and, and you see the short odds for the conference and the Super Bowl. Saints check in behind them, win total of eight, odds to win the division at plus 360. 4-0 against Tom Brady in the regular season. We'll just put it out there in his time there. Uh, Panthers six and a half for their win total, ten to one to win the division after they acquire one Baker Mayfield, and of course the Falcons at five to one, who are pretty much in a rebuild at this point right now. Marcus Mariota, I think that there is a mindset that Mariota is like potentially the guy there. Like I just there's this weird thing where team sign quarterbacks, people think that that team is saying that dude is going to be our guy of the future. It's not necessarily the case. Sometimes you're just signing dudes to be the stopgap. Mariota's got some stuff to offer as a quarterback, but. Uh, Desmond Ritter sitting there waiting in the wings. I think it's pretty clear what the Atlanta Falcons want to do in a slow burn toward bringing Ritter along. So this division as a whole, it's hard not to start with Tampa Bay in terms of winning this division, and the implied probability would tell you that's the case. Uh, minus 300 price tag on Tampa Bay to win that. We're talking about a 75% implied probability. Now, I think that is somewhat high. Tampa Bay, again, their strengths across the board are there, and there is no arguing that this offense, again, is going to be really good. And if Leonard Fournette comes out and he is overweight, that's fine. As we talked about, when it comes to our offensive rookie of the year, they've got a running back that they really seem to like uh, quite a bit in Rashad White, who is 31 to win offensive rookie of the year, a little bit more athletic, provides a little bit more skill set there, and running back really isn't a massive position of importance, not only in the grand scheme of football, but for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the way that they run their offense. So there is a lot to like about Tampa Bay, obviously. And they should be the highest power-rated team in this division, obviously. But at the same time, I can't help but really be distracted by the New Orleans Saints and not only their price to win this division, given their success against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but also given everything that they're bringing back. Now, look, everything revolves around one guy, much like we were talking about with the Philadelphia Eagles, and that would be Jameis Winston. And depending on how you view Jameis Winston, um, he's a pretty polarizing player, you're looking at New Orleans and thinking they either have no shot or that they're going to be an intriguing playoff team that's going to compete here for this potential title in the, the NFC South. Win total of eight, shaded to the over at minus 135. You can see the alternate win total there too. Small plus price to make the playoffs, favored to miss the playoffs at minus 155. Again, we went over the NFC South odds and then to win the conference and the Super Bowl 22 to 1 and 45 to 1 respectively. But there are things to like here about New Orleans, and really about Jameis Winston. Yes, last year, he season cut short by injury. He started off the year extremely tough, or excuse me, strong, right? We talk about the 14-20 to 20 against the Tampa Bay, or excuse me, against the Green Bay Packers on 23 dropbacks, throws five touchdowns, was absolutely brilliant against the Green Bay Packers in a really weird game. Follows that up with a poor performance on the road against the Carolina Panthers, two interceptions, no touchdowns, commits three turnover-worthy plays, a very Jameis Winston type of performance in the follow-up performance. But if you look overall, for Jameis Winston in the short sample size that he had, 14 touchdowns to three interceptions. He had 12 big-time throws, just six turnover-worthy plays, committed a turnover-worthy play on just 3% of his dropbacks. He had three games last year in which he didn't commit a single turnover-worthy play. And again, we're only talking about eight games. I totally understand that. But there were signs that Jameis Winston was going to be a more viable option at quarterback. If you look at how he graded out as a passer, from a passing standpoint, he had two games which were really rough, the two-interception game, and then against New England, he threw two touchdowns to no interceptions, but a lot of it was dink and dunk. Receivers doing a lot of work out in space, didn't have to do that much, so thus didn't grade very well. But if you go from there on, we're talking about a really good game against the New York Giants, I think ultimately one that they lost, if I remember correctly. Uh, but regardless, 
Really good baseline to play from Jameis Winston. Winston, if you get this from him as we move into this year, there's something to be said that this Saints team has a lot to offer as a team that could potentially win this division. Again, just talking about the gap between them and Tampa Bay and saying that, hey, you know what, maybe the probability that the Buccaneers winning this thing is a little high. And maybe baked into that is a lot of liability and team or betters who want to bet into something like that and add it to like a parlay. Like, of course the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to win this division. We see it all the time. We saw it before the baseball season. How many people have a Chicago White Sox, uh, you know, Chicago White Sox tied to another team to win a division in terms of a parlay before the season started? There's probably quite a bit. But laying prices like this before seasons begin, and especially in a sport like football, where it's not like baseball, where you get a large 162-game sample size for the cream to rise to the top and everything to play out, that might not be the case here. And given the fact that Tom Brady and the Bucs have had a little bit of a rough time with New Orleans, and I get it, new staff, changes with the, with the Saints. We don't know what's going on with Alvin Kamara as well, right? We still have this thing, this legal issue floating around Kamara and what that could mean for them too. But when you look at them overall and you hope that Michael Thomas, who is on the pup list, comes back healthy, they add Chris Olave. Jarvis Landry is part of this receiving court too. If whatever it is happens to Alvin Kamara, you get him for a good chunk of this season. While there are pieces missing here, they're still going to be one of the best defensive teams, I think, in the National Football League when you look and evaluate the roster on paper. And if you get a solid baseline of play from Winston, who showed that he's got it in him, I think there's something to be said for a plus 360 price tag for this team to win the division and a small plus price to make it to the playoffs. I think I like a lot of what the Saints have here on paper. Now for the other two teams... Look, the Panthers, they are a somewhat intriguing team, especially when you add Baker Mayfield, a guy who has the potential to be your building block of the future. Yes, there's still something there. You know, everybody crushed Baker Mayfield last year uh, because of the season that he had, but at the same time, he's he's, he was coming off of a year. I mean, if you look at some of the numbers for Baker Mayfield, last year, yes, 17 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. But the year before that, 30 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, a PFF pass grade at 85.1, 34 big-time throws, only 18 turnover-worthy plays, a turnover-worthy play rate of 2.8%. That was 2020. There's still something there for Baker Mayfield. My problem with Carolina and my problem with the situation for Baker Mayfield and the Panthers is the fact that that offensive line last year was not very good. And yes, you had a first-round pick to the mix, and hopefully it gets a little bit better. But part of the reason why Sam Darnold was so bad is he was pressured on about 38% of his dropbacks. Think about that. 177 of his dropbacks he was pressured on. That does not bode well for a quarterback in any way, shape, or form. And while the skill positions are really good for the Carolina Panthers from a wide receiver standpoint and from a running back standpoint, obviously, you still have questions about the protection as a whole and how that affects a guy like Baker Mayfield. And on the other end, I do wonder from a defensive standpoint for Carolina in terms of pass rush, where that's coming from for this team. I don't want to mess with them for their win total. Don't really want any part of them to make the playoffs. Don't think they're going to make the playoffs at all. I just don't really like a lot of what you have from Carolina. If the if we're talking about five and a half, you might be you might convince me in terms of betting this thing over or looking at them to potentially win over. But it seems like on paper the perfect season is six wins for the Carolina Panthers and the team bringing up the rear. For me, Atlanta is just an unknown because you don't know what their mindset is with Desmond Ritter, and also the camp and preseason might affect that here a little bit. Not that Ritter will be the starting quarterback once the season begins, but if he performs very well and looks comfortable as a you know an NFL caliber quarterback. Maybe the leash gets a little tighter for Marcus Mariota as the season goes along, and maybe Desmond Ritter finds his way onto the field a little bit earlier than that week, I think it's 13 or 14 by that we were discussing when we were talking about Offensive Rookie of the Year and when some of these quarterbacks might find their way onto the field. But all that being said, putting a bow on it, the New Orleans Saints, I think, are a lot more viable to win this uh, division than the odds in the market are giving them credit for, especially if we're getting a semblance of what Jameis Winston was last year before he went down with injury. 
All right, we wrap up the football betting guide on the other side. Eric Eager is going to give us some time for pro football focus. Let's talk about coach of the year in the National Football League. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Jonathan Bontobel. College Football Guide is out now. Pro Football Guide is uh, coming soon. No better way to prepare for the college or pro football season. Our experts provide profiles of every team with advanced stats and power ratings, plus best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. Reserve your copy of the Football Betting Guides today. Get access to everything we offer for the entire football season with a VEASAN all-access subscription. Make this football season your best ever Subscribe now at vcin.com slash subscribe. Yeah, College Football Betting Guide coming out this week. Very much worth your time. All of those teams previewed. A lot of good write-ups in there, and it's like we talked about. A little bit more than just uh, providing uh, win total recommendations. There is a lot left in that. So, as we talked about and preview here a little bit, or tease to, I uh, did want to bring up, because there's a lot of markets you can bet into, and Coach of the Year is a really interesting one when it comes to the National Football League. And I think, too, what is interesting from an awards standpoint is how voters perceive them and how they're voted on, right? As somebody who writes about the NBA, and we went through a lot in terms of the NBA awards this season, um, I found myself, I thought, in a wrong position because I almost looked at some of those awards markets a little too thoroughly when it came to you know, statistics, how voters view it, analytics, things of that nature. And ultimately, it led me down a path for a couple of spots where we got some pretty good numbers, right? Like a Jaron Jackson Jr. type, as we discussed ad nauseum here, in terms of defensive player of the year, got him at 301. He fell as short as about, uh, I think, eight to one was his uh, shortest shot there at one point. Ultimately, gets 11 first place votes. So we're kind of barking up the correct tree, but not to the, the, to the certain extent. Uh, Tyrese Maxey for most improved player. Looking at his numbers across the board, he was a guy who had improved by quite a bit statistically, but voters didn't really get there in terms of awarding him as a finalist, things like that. And so why I bring that up is I do wonder when you talk about voting in the National Football League for all these awards, and that would be Coach of the Year included, what perception is and how it's balanced by some of these writers. Uh, do they use, like, for example, we, you know, one of the stats for Coach of the Year that's very much worth bringing up. Since Jimmy Johnson won the award in 1990, only one coach has won the award winning single-digit games. That was Bruce Arians in 2012. And, by the way, Bruce Arians wasn't head coach. He was an interim head coach filled in that year on an 11-5 and Colts team. So that team, while Bruce Arians, the award winner, 
did not win double-digit games. The team that he ultimately took over and was interim coach of did win double-digit games. So again, we have this pretty strong sample size over the last, what now, 20, no, not even 21, 31 years. 31 years, that coach of the year is going to be a guy who wins double-digit games because we haven't seen it since 1990. Doesn't necessarily mean that it's not going to happen. It's like 100%, but we have a really strong track record at this point right now that that's going to be it. So as you look around, at some of these candidates, and you see some of the favorites to do this. Brandon Staley, Mike McDaniel, Nathaniel Hackett, Josh McDaniels, Brian Dable, all these guys. And you see, by the way, the range in which these guys are in. It's 14-1, to 16-1. There's not that much separating them. They're all double-digit shots. So I wonder how, when you look at the success of some of these teams, if you can kind of eliminate um, by we're talking about teams that are going to win double-digit games or not, how easily you can eliminate some of these guys when it comes to coach of the year and whether or not we expect them to win double-digit games, right? Nathaniel Hackett, you don't have to eliminate because it seems like that's going to be a team for double-digit wins. Josh McDaniels is going to be interesting. Can Josh McDaniels lead the, the Raiders to another 10-7 and type of season? And if they do, will he be perceived as a coach who did it uh, through his coaching acumen or a guy who has strong wide receiver, strong quarterback, thus not giving the recognition for coach of the year? And so, you know what, you don't win the award. And how the 17-game schedule alters that too, right? Does 10 and 7 become the new 9 and 7 in that guys aren't going to get votes for coach of the year because 10 and 7 isn't seen as the success as a 10 and 6 was a couple of years ago when that was the case on a 16 game schedule? So when I look around overall, it does lead me to eliminate a couple of guys, right? I want to go straight to, for example, Dan Campbell. I've seen Dan Campbell thrown out there a lot for coach of the year. And I would say that probably Campbell, very much worth eliminating and crossing off of the list. Mainly because, well, I do think the Lions are going to be greatly improved. And I think they're actually going to be, it's similar to what they were last year, a solid against the spread and bet on team because they were well coached to a certain extent, but they fought really hard, never really gave up, all those sort of things. Well, I kind of want to bet on the Lions on a night-to-night basis, potentially, or day-to-day basis. I don't think I want to bet on Dan Campbell to win coach of the year because we have such a strong sample size now that these voters aren't going to give it to a team that wins double-digit games or fewer than double-digit games. Thus, we can eliminate them. You know, and as we kind of move along the list, there were a couple of names that stuck out to me personally. For example, uh, high on the Colts this year, right? I think the Colts are the rightful division favorite in the AFC South. I think as we've seen, Frank Reich has maximized his offenses and his quarterbacks and how good this offense can be with a really solid signal collar. We've seen now multiple times that could be the case, right? The Phillip River year, they were really solid. We saw that year with Andrew Luck where they made it to the divisional round and lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. So now, as the Colts get Matt Ryan, Will that be the case where you can look at this team as a viable option not only to make the playoffs, but to win 10-plus games, and for Frank Reich to potentially win Coach of the Year? And you can get him in the range of 20-1. to 1. We talked a little bit about Bill Belichick earlier. I would eliminate that because I don't think Bill Belichick and the Patriots are winning 8-plus games this year. I think there's a lot of issues on that roster that are going to take them down a step. We know what's going on with the staff, so you don't want any part of that. So you go to another name that's in that 20-1 to 1 range that I think is really intriguing. And on this show, I've already expressed my... I don't know how to call it love because that seems strong, but I'm very much on the, I think Kirk Cousins is a lot better than you give him credit for train. And statistically, him, Justin Jefferson, have been a very good connection. This offense has the potential to be very effective and very efficient. Their win total is hovering in that range of that about eight and a half, nine, that this could be a 10-plus win team, the Minnesota Vikings. And if their offense is good to great, this year, remember Kirk Cousins by PFF standards and others was a top five quarterback statistically last year. Well, if the Vikings are all of a sudden 10 and 7, 11 and 6, they finish in the wild card, of course, maybe even push for the division. 
and it's because their offense takes off with Kirk Cousins as quarterback, well, all of a sudden you're looking at Kevin O'Connell, right, one of these offensive assistants off the offshoot of Sean McVay, and he's going to be a very viable option to win the award at 20-1. to 1. Like, that's a name that I think you should circle very much because I think the Vikings are set up for a really good year this year by Viking standards, right? Like, they haven't had a lot of success. Uh, the one-score games have not really gone their way. Famously, last year, the first 11 games, having a lead of seven or more points and then losing six of them, right, going five and six in those contests, has not really worked out for them. But I think a new coaching staff that can maximize what they're doing offensively, a good wide receiving core in Kirk Cousins, leads to a good year, thus leading to Kevin O'Connell getting some credit for winning coach of the year. And I think that's very much something that you want to look at when it comes to this. And I think, too, you know, I brought up Eric Eager's piece on Pro Football Focus, which is very much worth uh, you know, reading and, and discussing and looking at. And some of the things that he points out is that some of these guys who have elite quarterbacks, for example, might not get the credit. Thus, you can kind of eliminate them to a certain extent. Like, for example, Brandon Staley at 14-1, to 1, the favorite to win this award. Well, Brandon Staley has a potential MVP candidate in Justin Herbert. And if Brandon Staley and the Chargers and everything kind of hits at this point right now, the Chargers are widely viewed as one of the better rosters in the National Football League with one of the best young quarterbacks in the National Football League. You know, Staley might not get the credit that a Coach of the Year candidate would get. Thus, even if the Chargers do win 11 or 12 games, you might not see Staley win this award because it's almost to an odd extent expected of the Chargers to be as successful as they were. And that kind of goes to the voter psyche and things like that and how you evaluate it. Right? The same could be said, which I think is kind of interesting, uh, of Mike McDaniel and the Miami Dolphins. But I think that that's something where if you believe, which I do not, but if you believe that Tua Tungabailoa is going to hit here under Mike McDaniel, that all the speed that the Dolphins have, and their roster is really good, it's really good, and if, that, if all of this hits, and this is a team that maybe even potentially, because we've seen it on odd years, upends Buffalo and maybe even wins an NFC East or competes for that, makes it 11 wins and gets a wild card berth, whatever, in that range of having a successful season, Mike McDaniel could be in the range of winning that. But you have to believe that Tua Tungabailoa is going to kind of check the boxes, become that good quarterback. But I also think that there's different ways to look at that. Instead of risking something and Mike McDaniel is 16-1 to to win that, I think you'd rather bet him to go over their win total. I think you'd rather bet them to make not to make the playoffs because I think you're laying a small price there. But you understand what I'm saying is there's different ways to attack that than betting Mike McDaniel to win coach of the year. So across the board, too, Nathaniel Hackett is a really uh, another good example. Nathaniel Hackett and the Denver Broncos go and get Russell Wilson. Well, now that you have Russell Wilson, now that the narrative around the Denver Broncos for the longest time has been, hey, guess what? The Broncos have one of the most talented rosters in the National Football League. They need to go get Aaron Rodgers. They need to go get Russell Wilson to maximize that window. Well, Nathaniel Hackett might not get that credit for winning Coach of the Year or enough credit to win Coach of the Year by some of these voters because, again, kind of like the Chargers, it's quasi-expected of this team to perform as well as they are. Same thing with guys like you Like you look at Andy Reid, right? I think you could say that Andy Reid is one of the best head coaches, kind of keeping with that vibe of the AFC West in the NFL. But he's 28-1 to along with Cliff Kingsbury, Robert Sala, Mike Tomlin's 30-1 to to win this award. This is not a reflection of, of Andy Reid as, coach, as a coach in the National Football League. It's a reflection of the perception. And the perception is that we expect the Chiefs to do this. So unless the Chiefs are going to go 17-0 and and blow out every single one of their opponents, which is not going to be the case, that's the only realm in which I think Andy Reid wins a Coach of the Year award. So it's a fascinating market. But again, those for me, the names I have circled, Frank Reich and, of course, Kevin O'Connell, both at 20-1, to I think very viable options to win the award with. If I'm ranking them, Kevin O'Connell, because he's going to have a really big impact on that offense, and they're going to be pretty freaking good. Uh, all right, with that, we are all done, of course. 
Uh, if you want to check out any part of the show, they're up in the podcast feed, vcin.com as well. And make sure this week, big week, college football betting guide is out. So make sure you get a hold of that thing, man. Go up to vcin.com slash subscribe. Until then, we'll see you next Sunday. Run line coming up next. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.